Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 2. We're going to be reading chapter, uh, verses 22 through 35. If you don't have your Bible, we've got it printed there for you in the bulletin. This is the story of Simeon. Uh, and he meets Jesus as his parents bring him to the temple to be presented. It says that when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you, we come to you in need of peace. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It shows us which way, or which way we are to go. And so in this morning we ask that you, Holy Spirit, teach us and you would guide us in truth so that this week as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we might enjoy the reassuring peace that comes from knowing Christ And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. A few years ago, I took my oldest son, Wyatt, to a football game. Uh, It was the, the, I don't even know who they're playing, but it was the Tigers, the Clemson Tigers. Uh, And it wasn't just any game, this was the recruiting, like the big recruits were coming in. And so we like to go to those games and we like to be right there and we got to, you know, like make those recruits feel like they ought to come to this this, uh, school so I take Wyatt and I hand him a Sharpie and I said, you're going to want this for this recruit. See, Trevor Lawrence was in high school then. He was visiting Clemson and he was being touted as like the next Peyton Manning. He took us on to, to win a national championship his freshman year. So this was a big deal. And so at Clemson, if you've ever seen a game, they, they have the players run down the hill out onto the field in the beginning. And so we, we position ourselves right there at the top of that hill. And so when they bring the recruits up there to kind of be all in the midst of the fanfare, if you kind of hang back a little bit, once everybody runs down the hill, they take the recruits and they circle right back around. And so you get to kind of high five and say hello to all these recruits. So I put Wyatt right there in the middle. He was going to meet Trevor Lawrence. This was going to be a big deal. I was like, get your Sharpie ready. He takes his hat off and he's like, Trevor, Trevor, can you sign my hat? And he's like, sure, buddy. He takes it and he's like, Sorry, man, your Sharpie doesn't work. <laughs> and he just walked off. And Wyatt's like, oh. It was this 
awful, awful moment. <laughs> Supposed to be amazing. Meeting Trevor Lawrence ended up being this awful moment. But in our passage this morning, uh, we meet a man named Simeon who gets to meet someone uh, he has been waiting a long time to meet. Through the Holy Spirit, he has been told that he would not die until he was able to see the Lord's Christ with his own eyes, the long-awaited Messiah. And when he finally gets to meet him, rather than the crazy media fanfare followed by a complete letdown, his joy is made complete. And he is ushered into this beautiful, simple, yet overwhelming peace now that the Messiah had come. He says, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. See, this morning, you, you and I, we desire peace. The world rages around us. If we're honest, our schedules, they stress us out. We are inundated with information, and we are flooded with temptations that all jockey for our affections. And so we need peace. So this morning, I want to answer this question. How does the Christ child, how does this baby Jesus bring us peace? And from our text, we'll have three answers. The first is he, he was born under the law. The third, he is a blessing to the nations, or second, blessing to the nations, and third, a block of stumbling. So born under the law, blessing to the nations, and a block of stumbling. So let's look at this first point, born under the law. Verse 22 says, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. See, Mary and Joseph, they were coming to the temple to fulfill the requirements of the law. The law of God is mentioned four times in these first five verses. And so there's really two reasons that we kind of parse out. There's two reasons they have come to the temple. First is laws of purification, uh, and the second are laws concerning the presentation of the child. And so we have to go back into our Old Testament to kind of really understand what is happening in here. Uh, the first in Leviticus 12 speaks to the rite of purification after childbirth. So given in the Levitical law are certain instructions, uh, what the woman is to do after she gives birth for her own uncleanness and when, and then what she's to do uh, with the child. So Leviticus 12 verse 6 says this, and when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Now at that time, a lamb would be a costly animal. Uh, and so not everybody could afford this lamb. But in verse 8, it explains that there's an exception made for the poor. If she cannot afford a lamb, she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. And so Mary and Joseph, as we see, bring uh, the latter. They brought a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So what this tells us, it tells us about their kind of economic state. Mary and Joseph, the family that Jesus is born into, uh, he was born into poverty. He was born into this, this low Estate. Part of Christ's humiliation and being born in that low estate is born, being born into a life of poverty. Remember, the wise men had not yet come. So the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were used to fund their escape to Egypt, uh, were not in their possession yet. And if they were, 
They would no doubt have offered a lamb, but instead they pay this pauper's price of two turtle doves or two pigeons. And so the second reason they're there is to present their firstborn child. So again, there are, there are laws concerning this. We can look back at Exodus 13. Um, this is lengthy, but, but bear with me. Exodus 13, verse 11, it says, When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first that opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to, to let us go. The Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And so, according to the law, they would bring their firstborn son uh, and to redeem them. Numbers 18 says the, the redemption price, and the way you do this is you pay five shekels to the temple. Numbers 18 says, and their redemption price, at a month old you shall redeem them, you shall fix at five shekels in silver. That's Numbers 18. And so this doesn't mention the payment, um, but that's what's happening here. Uh, they, are, they are kind of fulfilling both of these laws in bringing Jesus to the temple. And so in a moment of unbelievable irony, if you get this, Mary and Joseph have come to the temple to redeem the redeemer of, God, of, of God's people. They're redeeming the redeemer. They're setting apart as holy the only begotten son of God. And so what a moment that would have been. They are fulfilling the requirements of the law, not just for themselves, uh, but for their son as well. You see, Paul says in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, from the moment that Christ was born, he, was, he, was, he lived under the law. He was, born, he was obedient in every way, he obeyed every part of the law so that he could be the spotless sacrifice, so that he could be the lamb that would die in our place, perfect in every way, born under the law to redeem those under the law. That's you and I. That's, where that peace, that's how that peace was won. That is the peace we have through the completed work of Christ. And so on that day in the Lord's providence, Mary and Joseph come to the temple and they are met by this man named Simeon. And Simeon is there. He says he, he was led by the Spirit to the temple that day. And so we don't know a whole lot about Simeon. We assume he's an elderly man at this point because he's been waiting for the Messiah. And he is now ready to die in peace once he sees him. What we know for sure from verse 25 is that he was righteous and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit 
that he would not see the death, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so kind of that repetition of words, there you see the Holy Spirit used in connection with Simeon three times. He was following and being led by the Lord. So we don't know how often he came to the temple looking for the Messiah, but on this day, led by the Spirit at the same time that Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to be presented, they meet each other. Simeon had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. You see, through sin and idolatry, the people of God had fallen into a bad state. They were no longer a powerhouse. They had been reduced to nothing. They had lost political independence. They had suffered under the cruel king Herod. The Jewish religious leaders of the day were either worldly or they were self-righteous legalists. It had been 400 years, 400 years since God had spoken, and they were in spiritual darkness and silence, and they were in need of, of light, and they were in need of peace, and all these would come when the Messiah arrived. And so Simeon was waiting for the Messiah to come who would bring renewal and consolation for their current conditions. And as a devout and righteous man, Simeon would have known the prophecies of the coming Messiah. Imagine longing for the fulfillment of Jeremiah 31 when God says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Or Isaiah 52, when the Messiah is told who would bear our sins and suffer in our place. Or Micah 5, where it says he would be born in Bethlehem. Or Zechariah 9, that said he would be a king. Or Isaiah 9, which we've read, the Messiah would be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. See, Simeon is now looking at the face of the Messiah. He is holding in his arms the Christ child. He is overwhelmed with joy. Peace comes over him because the promised one had come. It says he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon has peace because Jesus had come, born under the law to redeem his people. But there's another reason he's excited. Our second point is the Christ child would also be a blessing to the nations. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to Israel. So that light of revelation is speaking of the true knowledge of God. The Gentiles followed after false gods and they worshiped idols. See, Jesus is the full revelation of God. He took on flesh and he dwelt among us so that salvation could become a global salvation, not just for Israel, but for every tongue, tribe, and nation. This is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. See, in Genesis 22, God told Abraham that through his offspring, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that offspring has come. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that this has always been the plan. That's why the coming of Jesus was a glory to Israel. This small, insignificant people, 
set apart by God, through them has come the Savior of the world, the promised one. One commentator in speaking to, about uh, Simeon's uh, song referred to it as a missionary hymn. He said, which is something unusual for a devout Jew standing in the temple. Simeon sees this great salvation going out to the Gentiles. Jesus has restored the glory to Israel and brought the light to the Gentiles so that all people can be saved. Remember, that compassion of Christ for the whole world is one of Luke's major themes. So if we just back up a little bit in, in Luke 2, in verse 10, remember the angel said to them, to the, to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the heavenly host, they break out into song and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is, with whom he is pleased. See, the salvation that Simeon is describing is a global salvation for every tongue, tribe, and nation. And after praying and praising God, Simeon now turns to the parents and the tone changes a little. He says some hard things about what is to come. This baby would bring peace, yes, but it would come through pain and suffering. See, Jesus would be the stumbling block for many, but also the cornerstone of the church and bring peace to the people of God through his death and his resurrection. And so point three, he's the block of stumbling. The word he speaks to them, he says, he blessed them, And said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. He's appointed for the fall and the rising of many. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. It's either come to the Father through Jesus or you don't come to the Father. See, Jesus acts as this dividing ridgeline, and depending on how you respond to him determines on which side you fall. You will either rise or you will fall. If you drive out west and you, you drive far enough, eventually you're going to cross what's called the, the Great Continental Divide. See, it's this ridgeline that goes from the Bering Strait of Alaska, and if you follow it all the way down, it ends in the Strait of Magellan in South America. I mean, a ridge line that long, so if, you, if you, any rain falls on the west side of that line, it goes into the Pacific Ocean. If it falls on the right side of that, it goes into the Atlantic. See, Jesus is that same dividing ridge. Those who reject Jesus fall and will be excluded from the kingdom of God. But those who, by grace, through faith, receive Jesus, they rise and are welcomed into the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning without Christ, this may be a watershed moment for you. Jesus offers you the peace that you've been looking for, and it's only through Jesus that you will find it. What greater peace is there than knowing that your eternity is secure in Christ, that the creator of the universe calls you friend, that your heavenly father looks at you as one of his children, and it's my prayer this morning that you will rest in him alone. For your salvation. So Simeon, he continues in verse 34 and he speaks a word directly to Mary now. He says, A sword will pierce through your own soul 
also. He's prophesying about the pain that she will endure watching her son unjustly tortured and crucified. See, Jesus would be a sign that is opposed. Signs, they they point to something other than themselves. I mean, Jesus said his purpose was to bring glory to the Father. And anytime he spoke of that, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, they hated him for it. They despised him. They opposed him for what his purpose was, and that was to bring glory to the Father. Because he was a sign that is opposed. It says that this was so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And you can see this in the Gospels. You can see this in, in life today. As people interact with Jesus, their true thoughts, their hearts are revealed. See, the prideful and selfish don't like Jesus saying, forsake all for the kingdom of God, because in their hearts they don't want to give up their own comfort. The Pharisees don't like Jesus dining with sinners and tax collectors, because in their hearts they don't want God to be gracious. Naturalists don't like the idea of Jesus doing miracles or talking about demons, because in their hearts they don't want a supernatural God. The morally ambiguous don't like Jesus speaking about sin and hell and condemnation because in their hearts, they don't want God to be holy and righteous and a God who will hold them accountable for all their actions. And see, the postmodernists, they don't like Jesus talking about absolute truth because in their hearts, they don't want Jesus to be an exclusive God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. But the ones that recognize their need for a savior, those that admit their own sinful hearts are wrong, those who have been waiting for the comfort and the peace that comes from God alone, they rest fully in the might and the power of the creator and the redeemer because in their hearts, they love Jesus. And they look into his face and they find peace. See, Robert Louis Stevenson tells a story of a a storm that caught this ship off a rocky coast and it threatened to undo the the ship and destroy and kill all its passengers on board. And in the midst of the terror, one daring man, he contrary to orders, he, he climbs aboard on deck and he made this dangerous passage to the pilot house and he sees the captain. And there the captain is lashed, holding fast to the wheel unwaveringly. And inch by inch, he is turning that ship out once more to sea. And the captain sees the watcher, and he smiles. And the daring passenger went below, and he gave out a shout of good news. I have seen the face of the captain, and he smiled. All is well. See, Simeon looked at the face of the Christ child, and he found peace. All is well. The long-awaited Savior had come, and you and I have that same peace through the same Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this week, as you celebrate his birth, rest in him. Peace has come. All is well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the gift of your son, for the peace that comes from knowing him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for humbling yourself, taking on flesh, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem your people. May we rest in that good news this week as we celebrate Christmas and allow us
to enjoy the peace we have through you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.